Do you suffer from budgetitis? Do you have champagne taste and a beer budget? You don't have to give up the things that really matter in order to stay within your budget. We've got the scoop. Today, we share our host's favorite tips for trimming the wedding budget and still having your dream wedding. You got engaged. Congratulations. Happy? Yes. Joyful time? Of course. Now what? Timelines, to-do list, and checklist? 100%. Don't worry. You're in the right place. Welcome to The Ring, The Bling, and All the Things. Hi, I'm Christina Stubblefield, one of your hosts, along with my two good friends, Michael Gaddy and Sharon Rumsey. We have over 50 years of wedding industry experience between us. We have seen it, heard it, done it, and found a way around it. We are here to get you from down on one knee to down the aisle. Our podcast will cover everything from you saying yes to the I do's and all that happens in between. So buckle up and enjoy the journey. Now, let's get started with this episode. We're coming back with another word. It's the B word. Everybody's favorite word with wedding planning, isn't it, Sharon? It's not. It's their least favorite word. Nobody wants to talk about money. Well, but today we're not talking about how to create your wedding budget or things to think about with your wedding budget. We're actually coming with some other tips, right? Yeah, I think we've talked a lot about why a budget's important and how to go about creating your budget. But once that budget's created, if the money just isn't there to do every little thing, then I think we need to share some tips on how to get that budget in check and still have an amazing wedding. Because there's so many things that you can do or don't have to do to, um, you know, spend a lot of money. Right. So hopefully this episode helps you and we're going to give you some great tips for it. Well, let's get started. Who's going first? Mike can go first. Okay. Oh, can you believe I let you go first? No. Uh Uh-oh. There's something, Mike, you better watch. You might have a hidden agenda here. (laughs) One thing is lowering your guest count. Just because they're your friend, just because you've known them for all your life, that doesn't mean you have to invite them to your wedding. And you know, some people say, well, I want to invite this person, this person, and why do they want to invite them? Because they want to get a gift. But you know what? You're going to spend when it comes to food and all the things that you have to purchase to get them, even send them an invitation to come to the wedding, you're going to be able to save that money. You need to break down what you're spending per seat. Yeah. And you'll be shocked. And very rarely are they going to go out and buy you a gift that is more than what you're exactly. spending per seat. And I sometimes totally you won't agree. even get a gift. Well, <laughs> and the other thing too, though, is if you're just making a list for the first time, write write them down. That's the whole point is get out. Who, who do you think you want to come? And then if that number is up to 300 or so and just your food alone is X price, not even tables, chairs, florals, decor, whatever I mean, it adds up. They don't realize how much that you have to add. Just for 10 people, you have to add, you know, stemware. You have to add dishes. You have to have, you know, 
That's flowers. another table. That's another, that's table, another linen. Another that's another centerpiece. It's 10 more chairs. I mean, it's, it's... It's not just the food. And we've talked about that before. I think people think guest count, and they think, oh, that's just X number of dollars I play. And you know what I really advise my couples to do is, like you said, purge it. Let the parents Very. say who they want to invite. You say who all you want to invite. Make that master list. Then go through and you look at each name on that list. Have you talked to them or spent significant time with them in the last year? Exactly. Those kind of things. And from that list, as horrible as it may sound, I really recommend creating an A list, a B list, and sometimes even a C list. Who are your must-have players? Whose butt needs to be in a chair at your wedding for you to feel like your day is complete? That's your A list. But keep in mind, too. Go from there. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, that... Yes, the bride and groom or the couple is the most important and they want to invite who they want to, but the parents are going to want to invite who they want to also. And that so gets keep to, that in mind. That gets that to be gets, a tricky line to yeah. walk because a lot of the times the parents are paying or at least contributing. So they have, I believe they have some say in who gets invited, who's exactly. in the room. Well, I think that is some fabulous points. And I will refer back the reason that we did our episodes the way we did was for you to go back and listen to some of those that we've talked about this stuff in more detail. Even though you're touching on it, there are some episodes that we've already went really in detail about that. And you, Sharon, I know, talked a lot about family, friends, friends of the parents and all that. And there's a delicate way around it because who's paying for the event? And there's so many things to think about. So refer back to our previous episodes. They're there for you all to go back and listen to. For sure. A second point that I would like to make is there are a lot of things at weddings that you really do need to have. And then there are some things that you don't need to have. I get asked all the time, what are the best favors? What should I do for a favor? Honestly, I say don't do anything because every wedding I've had that has favors, I go around at the end of the night when we're, you know, cleaning up and getting ready to go home and I throw most of them away. And you know what? That's sad too. It is sad. It's but, a lot of wasted money. But I know in the uh, few weddings I've done here in the past that, you know, yes, the, the cake has gotten smaller over the years. Mm-hmm. It's something more just for the bride and groom to cut. But then I'm, I'm seeing that they have cupcakes or donuts, and then they'll have little boxes that they can take home cupcakes or donuts. So that could be included in their favor as they're something com- they're taking home. They're not coming to that wedding for the favor or what they're going to leave there mm-hmm. with. They're coming to be part of your special day. Well, and honestly, they take a lot of money, and some of the favors take a lot of time. I've had brides that had to fold like little little gift boxes and put individual names on them, and, and it's such a sweet thought. But I promise you, I promise you, I'm going to throw the majority of those away. No one's going to walk away from there and say, you know what? We didn't get a favor. I didn't get a favor. I'm going to tell you something. When Josh and I got married, one of the first things that we wanted to do was a photo booth. And we use that as part of our favors. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you. We probably look at those pictures and we have a book that has them in it, but even on our computer or phones, we probably look at those pictures more than our actual group photos that we took. And that is not downplaying photography whatsoever. But after years, people were having a good time. They were Mm -hmm. putting on different accessories and it wasn't just them standing to take a photo. That's a great 
opportunity for guests to have something to take home. There's also now a big move away kind of from photo booths and back to photo opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, creating a really cool place to take a selfie, to take a picture, and then they can text that to you and you have it as well. Um, but the the traditional, you know, like a cookie or, gosh, I don't even, I've seen little votive candles as favors, all that kind of. It, a bottle of bourbon. Yeah, a little baby bottle of bourbon. Like, I throw them away. I, I really do. Well, I'm going to come back around to the photo thing for just a minute. I'm going to look and see. We got an app where our guests that were at our event, and it was outside, the ceremony and reception was outside could upload the photo in the app where all I had to do was click one button and I downloaded all 500 pictures that people had uploaded. So I will look that app up and put in the show notes. But to me, though, I like the photo part because the couple can have something and your guests can have right. something, not just one way or the other. So that's a good tip. I and like I think, that. Sharon, that's I know we're really talking detailed about this, but it's not just money. It's also a lot of time spent a lot of time. on those things. And you know, because you're all there at the end of the night and you know what has went into that. And here you're picking up however many of them left on the table. So there that's a great all, point. Right. And there are also a lot of paper products that I don't recommend my couples purchase. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, if, if and, and there are older people who will really disagree with me on this. So apologies in advance, but ceremony programs any any ceremony you go to take a look around as you're walking out and see how many programs are laying in the seat people some people read them most people don't and nobody takes them home so the last time I got programs printed for like a 200 guest wedding it was over $400 and I threw the majority of those away I also think having just to stay and, you know, I'm thinking about paper products, a menu at each place setting is, is a very nice touch. But if you're trying to cut money, make a nice menu board, a nice chalkboard or something like that, listing what you're serving. And don't worry about printing a menu for each individual place setting. I think that's the best. Yeah, because printing, it really adds up when you start doing all of that stuff. Well, And, and paper stock has gone up recently. And everything has. everything has. So great tip, Sharon. Well, and another thing is uh, when you're doing centerpieces uh, for the head table, you can have vases there for all your bridesmaids and your, the bride herself. Put bouquets in vases, and that could be the decorations for it's that. so pretty. Um, that's a really good money-saving thing because you can spend a lot of money on the head table. But also keep in mind when you do DIY centerpieces, a lot of times when you hear the word DIY, you think it's saving you money. But if you go, when you talk to your florist or whoever's doing your decor, you know, price it out from them first. So you'll see if they charge you, if, a lot of people get cylinder vases with floating candles in it. Oh, I can save money and do that myself. The time you run around and purchase the vases and all that and do it yourself 
it would have been cheaper for you to get it from whoever's doing it. I your think Coca-Cola. people are shocked a lot of the times when they hear what a florist will actually rent them that vase for. Yeah. It's usually cheaper than they can purchase. Well, and you it. gotta think too, we're renting it over and over and right. over and they're going and then you gotta think about what am I gonna do with that afterwards? So I mean, just because it's a DIY project, that doesn't mean it's always well, and you also, less expensive. You know, the planner and me saying who's who's do, bringing that to the and who's venue, it who's and, setting it up and who's taking it away at the end of the night. We know Sharon is all about who's taking this shit home at the end of the night, right? Do not, and it will not be me, right? Well, and it's that's a big chore. Most of the time, the couple's already gone. You know, nobody wants to deal with it. They're tired. They've had a few drinks. They're done. That's because they need the Sharon method, right, Sharon? (laughs) There's another episode about that. If you scroll back, there's a whole episode on Sharon's. Which what was it called? My big redneck wedding tip. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. What's up next? Well, another thing is choosing off-peak wedding dates. So, you know, don't get married in the most popular season, you know, October, November. Usually the fall is the one of the most popular and May and June. So stay away from those months. But also don't always think that you have to get married on a Saturday or a Friday. Go to a Thursday or a Sunday, and we've been talking about that, but that's one way to cut a lot of costs. There. You can sometimes, like I did a Sunday wedding not long ago at an extremely nice venue here in town, and we got that venue for a fourth of what it would have cost on a Saturday night, and it was Sunday. And they had a great turnout. Guests did stay. I was worried maybe that people would go home early because they had to work the next day. But I think most of them took Monday off, and we just had a great time, and we got a gorgeous venue for a fourth of the price. But I'm going to say this, and I'm kind of backing up what we're saying here, but not always. Yes, you're going to get your venue at a less expensive price, but you're also going to have other vendors that's going to be working on a Sunday, so their prices may be higher. So there's there's pros and cons. Weigh it all out. To everything. They could also be a little cheaper if it's an off day, if they consider it an off day. Yes. If it's a day that they thought they wouldn't get to work anyway or get to make any money, then maybe they're going to... You know, give you a deal. Right. I, I don't know. It just you have to just. It's an talk idea. It it's mm-hmm. an idea. I think too. Um, one of the ways that I recommend cutting, and and this one hurts a little, but decide which photos are most important to you. Do you really, really, really need your photographer for ten hours? Because you're going to pay by the hour. You know, most of them have a package for so many hours, so. What's most important to you? Is it those getting ready photos of everybody in their robes and, you know, the getting your hair and makeup done? Or is it your photos at the end of the night at your reception? Let's prioritize those photos and then we will cut that schedule to maybe a six-hour package or an eight-hour package. You can save a ton of money that way, but you do have to give up something. They're not going to be able to shoot the whole day. So you just have to decide what's most important to you. Well, and another thing is uh, having your wedding and not doing a full dinner, doing more like a hors d'oeuvre party, cocktail hour, or even doing a brunch. Brunch mm-hmm. is a lot less expensive than doing a sit-down dinner And I dinner think that's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you do pick a Sunday afternoon uh-huh. to get married. I mean, that'd be great. And also, I'm seeing a lot now of desserts. Just having, you know, your mm-hmm. guest comes and you have all different types of desserts. But like you said earlier, it's nice to let your guests know that so they can have dinner before right. they get You need there. to let them know that it's a dessert reception, you know, on that invitation that needs to be very clear so that 
they do eat before they come. Another thing that we're really seeing trending now too is what they call a cocktail reception. So you've still got that full bar, you've still got your DJ and that party atmosphere, but you're probably serving more like heavy hors d'oeuvres, a lot cheaper than feeding a whole entire meal to, um, you know, your guests, but you still have everybody in the evening. It's still a party. Um, but again, you do owe it to your guests to let them know that it's not going to be a full meal. Because when I go to a wedding, I go, I go hungry. Like I, you know, <laughs> you're we, expecting a meal. Are we back to talking about communication? A little bit. Very we much. always seem to plug that in there, don't we? Yeah. A little bit. Now, one another important one is uh, finding a venue that will let you BYOB. Uh, sometimes that's not always possible. But if you're at a venue that you can bring in your own alcohol, it'll save a it'll ton. save a ton of money instead of you know having a bartender supplying that that alcohol. And those venues are going to require that bartender to be licensed and insured for their protection. But you are purchasing the alcohol, so you want to make sure when you do that that you're purchasing from a place that will let you bring back anything you haven't opened. So an unopened case or an unopened bottle can be returned. And that way you're only paying for what you actually serve your guest and you're not paying the markup that, you know, a bartending service would pay if they provided that alcohol. I think another great thing to just jump off of what Mike was talking about is when you're looking at those venues and you're making those decisions, if you know you're really balling on a budget, as my kids would say, make sure that you have an open vendor policy at your venue to where you have say-so in the vendors that you choose because... A lot of the times, say you do get married on a Sunday and you have a great deal on your venue price, but then you look at that list of preferred caterers and you can't afford any of those caterers. You know, they're That's way a good point. Good they're point. way out of your budget. But if you have an open vendor policy, then you're not being told who you have to do business with. And you're able to check out people in your price range and choose the best fit for you, for your budget, for your guest. So I'm a huge fan of open vendor policies. Well, you know, and one thing, too, when you're choosing your um, location, your ven- venue, uh, choose a place that's very pretty, That's that doesn't have to have a lot of decor, right. you know, a lot of shrubbery or a lot of green. I mean, that's so much more natural than having to bring in tons and tons of flowers. I'm cutting my throat here as I'm saying <laughs> that. But, I mean, that's a good way to, to watch your budget if that's what you're trying and to I do. And I think something else that we have to open our minds to is maybe it's not – you know, a quote unquote venue. Um, maybe it's a private home. Maybe it's someone in your family's home. Maybe it's um, a friend's home. I know one of the prettiest weddings I have ever done, have ever attended, have ever even been part of, um, Mike and I did together, and it was on a lake. It was at a lake house. And, you know, Nature painted the picture, and then Mike jazzed it, it up. It, it really did. You paint know, the picture. we still had florals, and it was very, very pretty. But the, just the background, just the, you know, it was gorgeous, and it was already there, like ready to be used. So I think that just being, I guess, if I could sum it up, like to be open-minded, don't feel like you have to check all the boxes and and do what everyone else does. I think if you're open-minded, you're flexible, and you're willing to kind of think outside the box, you can have an epic wedding, and you can still stay within your budget. I definitely agree. Dang, Sharon. I mean, you're coming out with all these different words. You're slaying it, and you just did <laughs> a perfect wrap-up. Wow. 
Well, my granddaughter's been calling me a boomer, and so I'm trying to get get used to some younger words. I want to go back to that. What do your what your son say? Balling on a budget. Balling on a budget. Hashtag. You're going to see that when this episode comes out <laughs> for sure. So, I mean, that has been some great things. And what I like about when you all were talking about this, you were just open and honest about things to really consider. One thing could seem much more affordable, but when you really start digging into the details, and that's what I'm hearing is it's got to be, you got to look at the full picture because just because you could think up front you're saving, if you can't have the vendors and you can't have some of that stuff, it's going to catch up with you in the end. But you know what? As long as, as we're saying, watch your budget. Do what you want to make the day that you want perfect. So, I mean, there's certain things that you might want to cut the budget and there's certain things you might not want to cut the budget and it may not be a priority to you. Well, and again, it goes back to that communication like we talk about all the time, but... You know, you have to sit down and you have to say, what's most important to me? Is it the flowers? Is it the food we're going to eat? Maybe I don't care so much about the food. Maybe I want this amazing band that I heard. So for each couple, those answers are going to be different. But you have to decide what's important to you, put your money there, and then figure out a way to make the rest of it come in line. Well, And, and have I, fun. And have, have fun. fun. Because at the end of the day, what are they going to do, Sharon? They're going to get married. You, that is one of your sayings is no matter what. You're going to be married when we end this night. Yes. And that's keep that first and foremost in your mind because you can get lost. You can get overwhelmed and all those things. Don't lose track of what why you're there. On that note, thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on social media. Until next time, have fun planning your big day. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Ring, The Bling, and All The Things. If you like what you heard, make sure to hit the subscribe button to get notified of upcoming episodes. You can also visit our website, The Ring, The Bling, and All The Things.com for past episodes. And make sure to connect with us on social media. If you would like to help us get the word out about this podcast, make sure to share with your family, your friends, and anyone you know in the wedding business.